0: Hey everybody! We are we are so excited. We have a really great book for you guys. It's the Loj Book Club. So remember, if you go to the uh, book club restaurant, restaurant and you mention Lori and Julia or the book club, you can get a free appetizer or free dessert. dessert with with your meal. With your meal, and we have a really we're so excited. Mike Rinder is joining us. He's written a book called "A Billion Years: My Escape from a Life in the Highest Ranks of Scientology." Mike, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Oh, you're very welcome, ladies. Okay, oh, my gosh. We're we, huge fans of yours. Yeah, we're,
0: and, and we are in admiration and awe of you and your, um, and really how we got to know you was through uh, the Scientology and the Aftermath show on A&E. With but Leah Bremen. We're, we're in admiration of, of what you're doing to expose Scientology and their evil ways. Thank you.
1: Well, thank you for having me on, and thank you for being fans.
2: Oh, we've we've really been kind of obsessed with Scientology forever. But you know, maybe just to help everybody understand, because you were, you know, were in Scientology, you were at the very top. What was your decision in two thousand and seven? What was the final straw that made you leave Scientology?
1: Well, uh, I was in London at the time, dealing with a reporter from the BBC named John Sweeney, um, and John was uh intrepidly uh, pursuing a line of inquiry about the, the fact that David Miscavige, the leader of Scientology, was physically assaulting people, and he showed up at the Scientology uh, building in London. And I happened to be there, and he had a camera crew, and he came out, and he was basically pressing me on the fact that David Miscavige was physically assaulting people, and I was denying it and saying it was lies and that, you know, we were going to sue the BBC. And he said, well, I've got, you know, eyewitnesses that say that David Miscavige has been physically beating on you. And I said, oh, no, that's not true. Well, it was very true. And it was something that I was, you know, sort of uh, ate away at me. This is not why I got into Scientology. I, I didn't come here to be the spokesperson to protect David Miscavige, who was around beating people up and abusing them. Um, I wanted you know, it like just rubbed me the wrong way. I had done a lot in Scientology and a lot as the spokesperson, but this one was like, oh, God, how can I be defending this indefensible thing? But what had kept me there was the fact that I had two children and a wife who were also uh, part of what's called the C organization or the like the inner circle of Scientology, and I did not want to lose them. Uh, shortly thereafter, and I described this at some length in the book, I, uh, Miscavige said, well, you're never coming back to the United States. I'm going to send you to the, the farthest reaches of the world in disgrace. And I went, okay, well, I guess that's it. There's nothing more for me to be around for. I'm escaping.
0: And, and you escaped and you left, I mean, basically your whole family disconnected from you.
1: Correct. Yeah, my my children, my wife, my mother, my brother, my sister, my nieces, my nephews, everybody who was in Scientology, which at that time was my, or well, it still is, my entire family.
2: Mm-hmm. Have you, if you're just joining us, we're talking with Mike Rinder. His book is A Billion Years, his escape from Scientology, a life at the highest level of Scientology. And, you know, we got to know you. When Leah Remini and you did Scientology in the Aftermath starting in 2016. Emmy winning, by the
0: way. (laughs) And we
2: know that you also have a podcast that you do with Leah called Fair Game. Mm -hmm. Um, Uh Mike, Leah didn't leave until 2013. You left in 2007. Were you alone or were you looking for other people that had left? Because you were at such a high level.
1: Well, I, uh, fortunately for me, there were other people who I had known very well, uh, one of whom was Tom DeVacht who was uh, uh, someone that had sort of grown up in Scientology with me, and he had left a little, like maybe a year before, and I first reached out to him. I contacted him from London and arranged to fly to see and stay with him in Orlando, and then um, I reached out to the two people who were uh, like my closest and oldest friends in when I was in Scientology, which happened to be Ronnie and Biddy Miscavige, which was David Miscavige, the leader of Scientology's older brother and his wife, and I had known Biddy since I first arrived in the Sea Org in nineteen seventy three and she was very close friends with my wife. At and they had left also some two or three years before I did, or maybe a little bit more than that. And they very kindly took me in and gave me a place to live and help me find my first job and sort of get me on my feet.
2: Right, because we we know from watching Scientology in the Aftermath and watching, you know, the movie that was done, um, I can't think of the name of it right now, and really we've... Going we've clear.
0: Co- Going yeah, clear, going clear, thank you. And re- reading that book.
2: And, and reading the book and just following Scientology because we all really, really, really got exposed to it when Tom Cruise jumped the couch and his sister started taking over his PR and how <laughs> in-depth. I mean, really, kind of, that was like the moment. So, you know, your book is getting excerpts all over. Yeah, and, um, reviews. We're so delighted that you're on with us today. And you talked about the reason you were leaving because the head of this, quote-unquote, church, the Church of Scientology, was an abusive man who beat you. And if you Mm -hmm. know that, how does a person, and this is what we always struggle with, how does a person like Tom Cruise, who must know this, continue to be in that organization?
1: Well, the best answer I have for that is, A, I did for a long time and it, you know, what, what ultimately causes people to wake up and leave is the very individual, you know, thing. There's no common formula for what that is. But if you promise someone and you dangle a carrot in front of them of uh eternal salvation or you'll be able to improve your life or you can help every man, woman, and child on planet Earth as long as you follow this path, that is a very, very powerful motivating factor. You know, Larry Wright didn't call his book Going Clear, Scientology, in the Prison of Belief for no reason. It mm-hmm. is a prison of belief. And you know, you can persuade someone that there is something good to be had, even if you do bad things or think bad things or act in a bad way, that it's for the greatest good and, you know, this will be ultimately the the your salvation and the salvation for a lot of other people, that will hold a lot of people in place for a long time. And it will prevent them from seeing what the real truth is because they just reject it out of hand and go, oh, this is just lies, or oh, this mm-hmm. is people trying to stop mankind's only hope. And that is the the hold that Scientology has over people and why they tolerate things that normal people would just go, oh, i would never put up with that, I just walk out.
0: Right, well, yes,
1: normal people do would, but they're not normal people. They have been indoctrinated into a belief system that leads them to hang on to the hope that something good is coming
2: it's so wild um to hear you say that because people on the outside were like, "What is wrong with all those people? How do they believe?" in this crazy-making. Well, and- that's
0: why, like, with Leah Remini, it was, you know, fascinating because she was really, you know, she didn't have a choice. She was a kid, and that does happen with second- and third-generation Scientologists. But for her her epiphany, the famous, where's Shelley? And that became yes. something that we, we, you know, everyone instantly knows what that means now. So, I mean, that's pretty incredible, Mike, just the two of you, what yes, you've done. Yeah,
1: it is. I, I honestly I got to say I I am very proud of the work that we did with the Optimas show because oh. it brought the stories of individual scientologists yes. into the the you know the minds and the homes of people all over the country and they looked and they went hmm I get it these are just they're normal people they're not Crazies—they're not uh, nutcases. That—that could have been me. That could have been me that got involved in this. And mm-hmm. for because it's very easy to dismiss something like Scientology and just go, oh, yeah, well, I'd never get involved." That's—that's that's just for the the weak and disabled and the mentally mentally incapacitated. It's not. It it attracts good people. And Agreed. Organizations. Yes like Scientology do that. They attract good people.
2: You know what? We have to take a quick break, Mike. We're with Mike Rinder. His new book, his first book, his memoir, A Billion Years, My Escape from a Life at the Highest Ranks of Scientology, just came out on September 27th. I have no idea the date today. We're doing it was this-
0: Tuesday. Was his book birthday? Mike, we're making
2: a film right now for charity, and we just we don't know what day it is. <laughs> and um, when we come back, it's the truth. We want to know what, why now? Why did you decide to release this book now? If you can hang on okay, for a minute, okay,
1: I will tell you. Okay, okay
2: we're going to take a quick break. This is Lori and Julia. We're broadcasting live from the Twin Cities Film Fest headquarters. We will be right back.
0: The topic is the Low J book club. We are so delighted. We've got a great book recommendation for you. Mike Rinder is joining us. We could talk to you for 2 hours, Mike. Uh, his book a billion years my escape from a life in the highest ranks of of Scientology and and you you were in it. I mean, Mike, you were young age, signed your billion year contract. I mean, so you have got stories for days. And Juliet asked you before we went on the break, what made you want to write this book
1: now? now? Well, honestly, a lot of people had asked me, well, why, didn't you, why haven't you ever written a book? Why don't you write a book? And I started, and I couldn't <laughs> really get myself uh, interested to apply myself enough, and I was worried that I wouldn't get everything right, and that I'd forgotten stuff, and blah, blah, blah. And then COVID hit, and mm-hmm. we couldn't do any TV shows. We weren't doing, uh, basically... Nothing was happening, and my wife said to me, okay, why don't you occupy your time now and actually write the book? Mm. And I went, yep, okay, I should. It'll probably be, in the end, helpful to me. And in it, it, ultimately, it really was. It was very cathartic to finally get everything out, like I've told various bits and pieces of, yeah things that have occurred in my life, but never been able to put it all together, and I guess delve also into the thought processes. Like, what was I thinking at the time? How was I viewing things? And that's, I, I feel, a very important part of this book is to help people understand how you can get you know, get people or persuade people to do things that aren't in their best interests.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, um, Mike, one of the things, so Julia and I have been on the radio for 20 years, so since 2002, and gossip is our middle name. And one of the things <laughs> that is that has given, I mean, I re, we remember when Nicole Kidman and Tom Cruise were filming the Kubrick film, Eyes Wide Shut, because we were just fascinated that this movie was taking forever forever, and there was some gossip coming out of England. And if you can just share a little bit of what went on, because it was shortly after that, that That they got divorced. But not until he remarried her. And you know what I mean? He did this big thing. I mean, that's a fascinating story.
1: Yeah, well, I don't know much about the remarriage and all that sort of stuff. But I do know that. David Miscavige became increasingly agitated that Tom had sort of dropped out of, of touch with him while he was off shooting eyes wide shut on the notoriously closed set of Stanley Kubrick. And mm-hmm. the, as you said, it was happening in London, and there was a secondary fear that Nicole was, you know, sort of dragging Tom away from Scientology. And there had always been a worry about Nicole because her father was a psychiatrist. And that is a big, big, big no-no in Scientology. Psychiatry uh, is the devil. And, uh, you know, had she not been the the other half of the, the Tom Cruise world, she would not have been in Scientology. She would not have been allowed to be in Scientology. And Miscavige was pretty panicked that, Tom Cruise was being weaned away from the Scientology world by Nicole when they were out of touch and out of sort of the influence of Scientology while they were shooting that film. And, in fact, he sent me to visit with uh, Tom's sister, Leanne, who was – I'm not sure if she'd become his publicist by then, maybe, maybe not – but to meet with – Leanne and find out what was going on and, you know, and Leanne reassured me everything's fine and Tom's fine and Nicole's fine and yes, they're just busy and they're stuck in the set and you know, of course I went back and reported that to Miscavige and he was like, nope. And he then dispatched Marty Rathbun ultimately to go bring Tom back into the fold and the you know, the final outcome of that was he got back being the more dedicated Scientologist and she ended up uh, going off to start a new life and no longer active in Scientology.
0: Yeah, and you know, we always were fascinated too within the whole rollout of Tom Cruise and Katie Holmes. It was just so, that just gave us, uh, Fodder for days, but we were. I feel like there's truth to the fact that Katie Holmes left Scientology because at six kids start getting indoctrinated, and she didn't want that for Surrey. Is that true?
1: I have no idea. Okay. I have not talked to Katie. I'm. I, I've never even met Katie. She came along after you after were gone. I was already, you know, in the hole. So mm-hmm. I don't really know the answer to that. I mean, I guess there is some uh, reason to believe that that could be true because, yes, it is true that Scientology auditing typically starts being done when a child is around the age of six. I mean, that just freaks me
0: out when I think of some of the questions they get asked.
1: Yeah, I know. <laughs> They're pretty bizarre.
2: <laughs> and so if you're just joining us, we're with Mike Rinder. He has written his memoir, A Billion Years. It just came out yesterday, My Escape from a Life at the Highest Ranks of Scientology. And, you know, from you know, we're friends with Tony Ortega, the underground bunker. He used to write, write for the Village Voice and has always been on top of all things Scientology. And it used to be that, you know, if you were in no, the media, cover it. you couldn't even cover it. Do you, Mike, you know, you said writing this book, Kind of put things in perspective for you, uh, and want other people to know that good people get sucked into this. Mm-hmm. The promise, mm-hmm. and and I got to be honest. I remember when there was a Scientology or Christian Dynamics Center. I don't know if they're the same thing or something downtown Minneapolis. And I'd like walk on the other side of the street because I'm like I'm kind of feeling like they could get me right now. That's you true. know what I mean? I mean, if you're feeling <laughs> an ounce vulnerable, you avoid things you avoid it but thank you so much for writing this is there you know we've seen some excerpts about maybe john travolta and some other things in the news you know since your book has come out is there Mm -hmm. uh have you had any peace with your family that's still in there in scientology
1: no No.
2: doesn't that that stinks i'm sorry for you
1: and and that's uh, you know, the other reason why I wrote the book. It, the book is addressed to my children that are still in Scientology
0: mm-hmm.
1: with the hope that one day they will read it. And this came about from some some very brilliant advice from the person I consider as the one of the all-time greatest American writers, which is Lawrence, Larry, uh, Lawrence Wright, who wrote Going Clear. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to him, and I said... Larry, you know, people are telling me to write a book. What should I do? Da, da, da. And he said, here's my best piece of advice to you. Write a book that is important to you, that has meaning for you. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, you know, the, the best book I think I ever wrote was one that nobody knows about, really, and it's about letters to my parents. He said, knowing your story, I think you should take the time to write the story for your children. Your hmm. life from what you want your children to know about you because they don't know you and what you went through and what your thought processes were and how you feel about it, that is what I think would make a great book, and that's what I've attempted to do.
2: I, we're so excited to read it. Oh, we, we didn't have time wait. to get it. It is. This is such a big deal to us, Mike, that you're on our show. You know, Lori and I... Um, like I said, Scientology has kind of been our thread for 20 years mm-hmm. that, that we've been on the air. Is, um, are you and Leah going to be doing more TV together?
1: Well, I don't know. That depends if any network wants to, to you know, air Scientology-related stuff. <laughs> they, they get a lot of threats and a lot of pressure, and right. A&E mm-hmm. withstood it, and, and they took it on, so maybe someone else will at some point. But not there's nothing uh, imminent. Let me put it that way. Yeah.
0: Right. Do you think? Um, do you think, Mike, that um, or Do you think that Tom Cruise, like he just, how come he never gets asked about Scientology on a red carpet?
1: Because he insists that nobody ask him about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're okay. going to get blackballed. Uh, you yeah. know, when he does press interviews for movies, he requires that they agree not to ask him about okay. it in order to get the interview.
0: We're going to talk to you again, Mike. We're Mike is fabulous. Thank you so much. Buy
2: the book, people. It was so great talking to you. Thank
1: you, ladies. Okay, lovely talking to you. Thank you. Okay,
0: lovely. A Billion Years, My Escape from a Life in the Highest Ranks of Scientology by Mike Rinder.